Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. This is a bonus episode of the podcast, and actually, it's the second to last episode of the season. We'll be wrapping up on Tuesday for season one, but we'll come back really soon. And you'll hear more about all of that on the next episode. Right now, though, I want to introduce you to nine-year-old Amelia. I connected with her, her ministry leader, Becky Freeberg, and Amelia's mom, Celeste. I connected with them because Becky and her team, which Celeste serves on, have really responded to this message in calling and mission of resilient child discipleship. So we talk about how this has impacted their ministry, how it's impacted Celeste and her husband's parenting, but most importantly, we talk about Amelia's journey as a resilient disciple. This conversation starts with Becky describing how long she's been connected to this world of children's ministry and what drew her to the mission of resilient child discipleship. Really excited for you to check this one out. Thank you so much for listening. Here is episode 49 of the Resilient Disciples podcast. I've been in kids ministry, I like to say since... I was a child since I started out in puppet ministry at the age of eight, um, but I have had official roles at churches probably over the course of the past couple decades in and out, maybe a total of 15 years. Let's just call it that. Sure. And so my most current role was at a, a new church that was starting here in San Diego and we were a mobile church set up, tear down the whole deal. And that is where I met Celeste and Amelia. Um, they started coming to the church and quickly um, Celeste became part of my team in children's ministry and she is our preschool coordinator and does an amazing job of overseeing what is taught in our preschool classroom. And then of course I met Amelia, she's in our elementary school class and I love having her in our class. I get to teach from time to time nice. and it's just a joy to have her in class. That's awesome. Um, Celeste, I, my oldest is four. So I am, I have a special place in my heart for preschool coordinators because um, as the guy who usually when I uh, am in that room serving, it's usually just every boy in the classroom just jumping on me. Somehow I've become a, a, a climbing wall every time I step into that room. But uh, just I'm very grateful for how people like you disciple it's, uh, kids like my kids at such a young age. So thank you for what you do. Um, now, uh, Amelia, how old are you? Nine. Nine? Okay, so Amelia, I want you to guess something, okay? You've heard my voice. You've seen what I look like. How old do you think I am? 32. Wow, that's really close. <laughs> I'm 29, but you know what's weird about that? And this is not going to make the podcast at all because this sounds strange. I want to be 32. <laughs> I really felt like not? I should be 32 for like seven or eight years now. So the fact, like you, you see me, Amelia, and I really appreciate that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, either a doctor or uh, like working with animals. Nice. You know, you could do. You could be a doctor in the morning and then a vet at night. And just kill, and just not take care of both of those. I mean, I'm just, I just, I got ideas for you. That's all I'm saying. Um, that's so cool, and I love that you want to start helping people. So. When you, um, actually, let me ask uh, your mom here something, actually, Celeste. So, Celeste, when you are someone who clearly, not only are you working on, you know, the discipleship of your kids, but you, are, you care about this world. You care about this kind of sort of conversation around child discipleship. So, um, 
I know that you guys got connected to the book, Resilient Child Discipleship, The Fearless Future of the Church. Um, and I want to talk about it because I want to talk about this book as sort of a way to start conversations in local contexts. You know, it's, it becomes a little self-serving for the guy who's on the team of people who, who works with the people who wrote the book to be like, tell me about how great the book was, right? But the, the heart behind the book and the purpose of, the, of us putting that book out into the community was to start conversations in local context. So um, how, we'll just start so in, in reading the book, how did going through that process, how did that change your view of children's ministry? Reading the book really shed light on how my scope for children's ministry prior to reading the book was so narrow. And then after having read it and understanding the different examples and the different ways that uh, discipleship looks like made me realize, oh my gosh, the net I threw out was so small and how much bigger it could be. Um, not for my, you know, for kids that are in the classrooms, but also for my own kids. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think when it was written, this was just a rallying cry that I want, I wanted to raise, you know, I'm mindful of, uh, I spoke with Mike Hanlern in, in a, one of the first episodes of the podcast. And one of the things that he said was if we weren't having this conversation so explicitly, someone else would. And we know that these conversations are popping up all around the Kidman community. Um, because we recognize that how important the future of the faith is. But to your point, we've also gotten a lot of feedback that this is influenced parenting. How do you feel like it's, influenced how you are looking at your own kids' discipleship? I used to think of, um, and then this might have been like subconsciously, I used to think, oh, we're totally discipling them in the house. We pray before meals. We remind them to be kind to others and share their toys. I work in a public school setting um, during the day. And I always had this mindset of, okay, this is how it's done in the public sector. Um, school is separated from God. And then when I go home or when we, you know, would do Kidman on Sundays, I would think, okay, I get to be, you know, a Christian right now. Um, so it was really interesting when um, after reading the book, I realized, oh my goodness, uh, no, like discipleship is going to have an effect on all realms of me being a parent, me being a parent to her and to my kids in my house and me being a parent to her when she goes into the public sector. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like it's so, um, you know, as a, as a young, how many kids do you have? If you don't mind me asking. I have two. Okay. And Amelia, are you oldest or youngest? Oldest. Your oldest. I thought so. I'm a youngest and I feel like we can always sort of tell when there's an oldest in the room. <laughs> How old's your younger sibling? Seven. Seven? Okay. Is it a younger brother or a younger sister? Brother. Okay. Or do you like being a big sister or is your younger brother annoying sometimes? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that answers it. Yep, that's what I thought. Well done. No. Um <laughs> my uh my daughter is 4 and my son is about 10 months. So she just is so excited to have like a, a big play thing. Um, but he's huge. They're about the same size. So I've, I have a feeling they're going to start butting heads pretty soon because he's just now he's going to be able to start taking our toys and not giving them back kind of thing. So um, 
But uh, one of the things that you said, Celeste, that I think is really important is how we continue to live out this mission of child discipleship um, in our everyday, right? And it's not just something, because we wouldn't confine our own spiritual lives to Sundays, although that's a trap that many people can fall into. Yet, we, yet we've not necessarily been as aware of that trap for kids. And Becky, um, for someone who is in this world and is more invested, I don't um, you know, vocationally as well. How do you try to amplify that message to the parents and other families with your, within your ministry? Well, during this time, we've taken, you know, this season of COVID and stepping back and it's almost, we had a pause moment to enter into this conversation instead of trying to, you know, instead of still being in that weekly, just let's get to Sunday kind of um, routine, we're able to pull back and start this conversation. And so I'm actually just right in the middle of how do, okay, I have a team who's going through the book and we're having great conversations, but now we need to push that out to the rest of the church. And so I look for different platforms, to be honest. Like, so we write, I write devos for my church once in a while. When I'm given that opportunity, I'm going to weave in the message of child discipleship wherever I can. Any opportunity I have to be in front of the church, whether it's writing or speaking in front of the church, this, this conversation will weave itself into those platforms. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love how clearly critical this is for both of you um, because I think there is a pervasive attitude that you know we at Awana are trying to call out and in many places break of you know, uh, that's the children's ministry is the down the hall thing, or it's the downstairs thing, um, or it's the upstairs thing. You know, it's, it's pushed away as far as it can. And over here in big church, that's where real discipleship happens. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, we, we, we put together a documentary, which is this resilient documentary. We, we released the preview of it. Oh, you're, you're not in clear, man, you are just picking up everything we're laying down, aren't you, Becky? Um, we all watched it together as a team. Oh, that's awesome. So, <laughs> so one of my favorite parts in it for the people who are listening who may not have seen it yet was when Dr. Uh, Kesbo, Marie, Marie Kesbo, uh, said, you know, we, and I'm butchering, completely butchering her quote, and it's a disservice to her. However, she made the point that we look at kids as having some sort of junior version of the Holy Spirit, right? That it's like we, that we haven't really figured out and, and they're just, they're just learning. And it's like, that's not, that's not biblical. Um, and it just sells, it sells God short, uh, which we would never do adult to adult. So why would we do it adult to child? Mm-hmm. Um, so Amelia, I want to, I want to ask, uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions because I heard a story about you that I would love to hear more from you directly, if that's okay. Are you taking questions at this time, Amelia? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So I heard that you had to um, give a a school report in your school. You had to sort of give. Was it like a book report or what was the report about? Um, you had to choose someone, right? A hero in your. You had to choose a hero. Okay. So my guess is, let me think. You may maybe you chose somebody like Batman or like Wonder Woman or you know who? who what hero did you choose? Jesus. Oh, man. You would think the guy who hosts a podcast would have, would have gotten there first. Um, Why do you choose Jesus as your hero? Um, because I think he's the ultimate hero over all the heroes. Amen. That's beautiful. 
And that's probably going to be my episode title. So thank you for that as well. Um, when, what was it like having a, did you give the report in just front of your class or, you know, what was that, what, what was that experience like having to sort of give this talk about Jesus? You had to do like research, but I just used the Bible. <laughs> and then you had to do it on Zoom. Oh, you had to do it on Zoom. Oh my goodness. So when you, so were you talking to classmates? Were you talking to just your teacher? The classmates and teacher. Okay. So you had to get up in front of your class remotely. <laughs> That's a big deal. I mean, I would talk to anyone who would listen about anything. When I was a kid, my parents literally used to, my dad would come home from work and my mom would say, my ears hurt. Um, but the fact that you were able to, to do that in this setting is, is so, that's awesome. Well done. How did it feel afterwards? Were you just like super relieved? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, sure. That's okay. You don't have to have an answer to all my questions. Some of them are weird. Um, who's that? Is that a dog behind the, behind you guys? Uh, there's a dog um, beside of us. Okay. What's your dog's name? Cleo. Cleo? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. This is, I had a dog named Cleo when I was a kid. <laughs> that's so strange. That's, that's awesome. What a, what a happy little coincidence. Yeah. Um, she, she wanted being 16. She was with me like my whole childhood. It was great. Um, so I want to ask, so I want to kind of zoom in a little bit. We've sort of been talking in broad strokes about discipleship, the importance of child discipleship, but I want to talk about this moment that we're in and how you guys are navigating the season around the coronavirus. Um, so Becky, I'll start with you. You know, when you are, take me back to March and you're sort of beginning to understand and people heard a voicemail where March for you was a, was a, was a busy time in your church. Um, Cause not only are you dealing with the coronavirus, you're also dealing with some changes in the church. Um, when you began to understand that, Oh, this was going to be a thing. Like this was going to be a big deal. How did you begin to lead your team and the parent, the families in your ministry through this uh, uncertain time? Oh, such a great question. I have to go all the way back to March to remember. <laughs> yeah. And time's a flat circle. March is a, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, here we are you know, months later. So when everything first started happening, our church was actually in the middle of merging with another church. And we were supposed to open that week that everything shut down. Like that was supposed to be our first unified service. So we were heading in the direction of unifying the two churches and then everything shut down. And honestly, on my, on my side, it took me about four weeks to really wrap my head around everything that was going on, all the losses I had to acknowledge that were there the loss of that church service, the loss of my son's high school graduation, like all these losses. And so really, I, after I got out of my own space, I'm like, oh my goodness, my team, like, where's my team, my kids? And, and so then I started reaching out and I, and I read Resilient in January, actually. And I'm like, oh, what a, God, you've given us this moment. I don't want to miss it. What do you have for us right now? And he led us into that conversation of child discipleship. And he's given us that time because to be honest, my team are busy parents. They don't have time to have meetings. But in this space, we were able to gather on Tuesday nights and a core group of them hung in there. We're almost done. Like we're, we're heading towards the the end. And, um, and we had this amazing conversation and beautiful things happened in that space. That's lovely. And 
Awesome. So let me ask you this. So, you know, you are someone who you've been in this world for a while and clearly you are someone who um, is a high capacity person, right? God has given you leadership gifts and uh, you're using them well during this time. So, you know, we're all having these conversations about reopening, right? Or some sort of return to normal. Um, when in actuality, I mean, none of us are epidemiologists on this call. Amelia, are you an epidemiologist? No. Okay. Just want to double check. Um, so, you know, we don't necessarily know what the falls are going to look like, but we also can recognize that it's really a new normal. It's not a return to a previous life prior to the coronavirus. So, um, uh, yeah. So what, what are you hoping from this time you're going to be able to carry through into your ministry when we get to this new normal? What do you hope is still going to be a part of an identifying factor of your ministry? An identifying factor. Well, we are still fleshing that out. And my team okay. and I, we are working on re redoing our vision statements, our mission statements, talking about how, what does it look like for our kids to encounter Jesus on a sure. Sunday morning and, you know, landing on things like being part of intergenerational worship, corporate worship. How can the kids be more in that space where they can learn from their church family that they have a place to contribute? We're not going to just tolerate the kids in that space. We're going to give them a space to contribute as a whole family together. Mm. Um, at the same time, there's space for age appropriate teaching and having the kids in their, uh, in their classrooms and learning there as well. So we're, we're working out what that, what that looks like for our church and our community um, walking out of this time. So that's, that's where we are currently. No, that's great. I think it's, you know, I think it's really helpful that you answer the question, um, in such a transparent way. And I thank you for that because I think, you know, I'm pretty new to this world, but I think there's, there's sort of this expectation placed on the Kidman leader to, you know, it's sort of like to go back to, it's like you're, uh, no, this, that would be way too labored of a comparison to say on a podcast. See, I told you, sometimes we'll make edits. Um, the, there's sort of this expectation of having to do more, right? It's sort of, it's pretty frenetic. And, that, and that's pretty common in the church and in the kingdom, but I think it's especially true in the Kidman community where folks feel like not only are they trying to get to a Sunday, but they're trying to figure out what discipleship means and what the best alternative for the kids who have, who have gluten-free allergies um, is as a snack, right? And you're trying to do both things at the same time and they can feel really, they can both feel equally important. Um, by the way, veggie straws, in case anyone's, in case anyone's curious, that's, that's always a, it's a that's real struggle. Idea. It really, that is a real yeah. challenge. In <laughs> no, I mean, it really is. And I think um, what I love hearing from you in that is that not only are you just being honest to some random guy in Chicago about where your ministry's at, but that your leadership in this moment about creating space, about finding that time, um, and the value of that for you, for your team, um, is so critical and has to be a part of the new normal, right? We have to be able to find ways to slow down as part of a Kidman community, as part of a church, because the church 2050, to go back to the resilient book, needs to, that'll be part of the life-giving nature of what that church looks like, is that we, there's an otherness uh, to being part of the kingdom that will be attractive to those who maybe at that point aren't yet, aren't yet believers. Mm -hmm. um, Celeste, I want to I shift the conversation to you and your household because you were saying earlier about how um, you kind of felt like, oh, you know, we're, we're doing the things, we're checking the boxes. Um, and how has coronavirus changed discipleship in your house? 
<laughs> it's a podcast that so people can't see, but clearly that was a very large question for you. <laughs> uh, you know, it's one thing to come home to your family and relax and have dinner and take a nice walk. It's another thing when your lifestyle turns into like 24 seven roomies <laughs> with everybody under the same roof yeah. and, and you've got, um, you know, schedules going on and don't forget Owen zoom at two, but this one's got gymnastics zoom at 10 and you know, and then the whole time you're trying to hold down your job too. Yeah. Via Zoom. <laughs> yeah. You realize that discipleship is in the little things. It's in the tone of your voice. It's in the intent of your message. It's in how you read people and how you show them love and how you respond to them. Um, so it's changed our parenting because we realize that because we're always being watched, you know, by other people and our children, believers and non-believers alike, that it's, it really helps you kind of work through your thoughts and your actions with a fine tooth comb and really makes you think, okay, am I showing Jesus right now? Are they seeing that? Are they feeling that? Because that kind of sounded snarky. Uh, <laughs> or short, um, but it has changed so much. And not a lot technically was happening in our household, but at the same time, there was so much happening in our household where people yeah. were trying to emotionally adjust. Yeah. Um, even though we were all just seated, you know, in our desks for six <laughs> hours a day. Uh, so that's really how it has changed our view of discipleship. Um, it's really had us take a hard look at how we approach each other and how we how we handle little things yeah that's beautiful i feel like i couldn't agree more in uh navigating that journey within my own household but i think that it's so critically important um for us as, as parents to figure out how we can how we carry that conversation forward right how we carry some of these new rhythms because yeah. I mean, 24 seven roomies, that's a real thing. You know, I, I love my kids and I love the fact that I can do a lot of my job from home, but I had no idea what it meant to never not be near them. Um, and it's, it's just, a, it's an entirely different experience. And I hope, but I hope that the space and the intentionality that God has sort of forced in me as a dad continues after the coronavirus, because I think it would be so easy in our parenting to go back to normal, even if the world looks different. Um, I want to ask a question because I feel like, uh, well, actually, you know what, you know, cause Becky, you're in a different phase of life as a, as a mom um, with your own kids. I'm just curious, you know, cause as a Kidman leader, you're not only are you, you managing this conversation with your families, but you're also trying to figure out what this looks like in your own household. So what does that look like for you in your own household with kids that are older? Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's definitely been a challenging season having uh, young adults, if you will, in transition pieces of life when there's 
nothing to transition to sometimes you're like, what is, I don't even know what this is going to look like for you. So it's definitely been a challenge. Um, space for more conversations as much as my teenage boys will allow for conversation. Let's just be real that they are teenage (laughs) boys and we try to engage in conversations and they only go so far. Um, There's (laughs) years in my life where all I did was grunt. Yes. Yes. And so um, Amelia or um, yeah, Amelia and Celeste both know my boys and they, yeah. So we, we, my husband and I, we really try to create that conversation. We are, we do have teenagers and, it has been interesting for me as well to figure out how to navigate all this stuff with everyone home yeah. all the time. And then we added a dog to the mix and that was a whole nother level. And so, um, but yeah, I, I like the more time that I've had to spend with the boys as uh, my youngest son and I will watch movies together and I will ask questions and I, I hear themes in movies like, Oh, here's they're saying there What does the Bible say. And they, they try to shut that down sometimes on me, but I try, I try. Yeah. There's space well, for it. You absolutely. Know? <laughs> and, and being persistent and yeah. being resilient against, you know, teenage boy stereotypes yeah. uh, is really critical in this time for actual discipleship because this work isn't done and individual discipleship is slow, uh, but it's individual. Um, one of the things that I think is really helpful about this world and this uh, will kind of wrap up here just in for sake of everybody's time um, is when you work with kids, you tend to get sort of uh, directly connected to a lot of joys that come directly from the father, right? It's um, I think I've led adult small groups or ministries and you're like, man, adults love to talk about how big and complicated their problems are. Right. But kids, there's joy, there's real uh, happiness. So I want to wrap up this conversation by asking a maybe an odd question, but I think it will help um, remind people that God is still at work, right? That God wasn't surprised by the coronavirus and that he, his blessings are new every morning, even during a pandemic. So um, Becky, I'll start with you if you don't mind, but um, what have you enjoyed most about this season? What has been you know, I'm, my wife's a nurse, so I'm not at all trying to put a silver lining on the pandemic, but what has been a positive an unexpected surprise blessing during this time? That's, that's a great question. So in the months prior to coronavirus, I had been wrestling with and really wanting, God, I just want everything off my plate so I can just have space to just seek what you really want me to do. God, like, is this, is this really where I'm supposed to be? And so when coronavirus hit, I joked to my husband, I don't think I caused coronavirus, but this <laughs> basically what I was praying for just happened. Like, sure, literally, sure. I work for, I'm, I'm bivocational, so I work for another company and all of our business completely gone. It's gone right now. It's, and it's a uh, childcare agency and there's no business right now. We rely heavily on tourists. There's no, there's no business. And so that's gone, you know, church slowed way down. And so I had this space. And so I had a goal to learn how to write and, um, cause I can, I can speak okay, but writing is a whole nother thing for me. And so in this time, um, God has allowed me to step into that skill a little bit more. And I'm so thankful for it. And, um, written a few things now was a guest blogger, which was really, I never thought that was going to happen because I really struggle with putting my thoughts on the paper. I really struggle yeah, with it. So, I very similar. 
So um, yeah, that's why, that's why, why I do this. Yeah. you talk, right? Like, yeah. and so yeah. I, I get that. And so to have that space to really lean in because, you know, I think a good leader knows, needs to know how to write. And that's something that I just really struggle in. So to have the space to work on that skill, I've just been really thankful for. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Celeste, what has been, you know, a, an unexpected blessing from this time uh, for you? I think the biggest blessing has been the revealing of maybe underlying feelings and emotions that we just have never um, had the space or the time to discuss or that situations have never you know, come up where you had to deal with them because you just kept going and you moved on to the next thing. Um, I remember when Amelia was talking about doing her Jesus um, report, my husband and I were really surprised because people were picking like Amelia Earhart and <laughs> different presidents of the past. And I, I think my first feeling was fear. And I remember telling Becky, like, I'm afraid uh, for her. And then I thought, well, and then I, you know, I had my public school hat on and I thought, well, can we? And then I, and then I thought, no, no, you know, what if we offend somebody? And, and so all these emotions started coming out and it was really fascinating how God can really put a spotlight on where you rely on other things besides him. Yeah. So I think control has been really highlighted in these last three months for me. Um, and it was so funny because I had, you know, in the height of my fears, I said, well, why don't we make some changes, you know, and helped her with editing. And she comes back with, okay, I'm, I'm ready to say it. And it's even more, um, evangelical than her first draft and she's like well, what i'm gonna say and i'm like okay god i get you i'm gonna let this go and because uh, uh, it's not about me so i think the biggest thing has been just the revealing of my desire to control things the Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week.